Hello and welcome. Welcome to our Hope Story Circle and welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I welcome you here. And I'm co-facilitating my Liz Gannon Graydon, who is also on our board, and Yelena Bobovich, who is our practicing peace in schools lead. And our special guest today is me. I'm your special guest. So we're gonna I'm, I have a story to tell. But before we do that, we're gonna have Yelena bring us in with a grounding meditation. Yelena. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening, whenever you are and whenever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, this meditation is actually a little bit different kind. Um, it is really a practice of seeing another person uh, fully. So to engage in this exercise, we can, we can start right now, but you can continue this practice um, at work, um, at a walk, grocery store, sitting on a park bench, whatever you are, um, wanting to actually see another person beyond the label and judgments that we put on them. So I just invite you to find um, a position, body position that your body will appreciate right now in this moment, whatever that is, sitting, standing, or laying down. You're welcome to have your camera on or off. Welcome to close your eyes or just gaze down. And yeah, you can choose any person people that you don't know much about, um, people that you might see, your grocery store clerk, or, um, you know, your um, neighbor that you don't know that well, or perhaps, um, you know, somebody that you love and care about. So it's your choice in who do you pick for this practice. And just try to bring that person into your mind. Visualize them. And notice the label that the mind is habitually trying to give that person. Notice if you find this person attractive. Notice if you label them by their role or a job. And don't force anything down or deny presence of any thoughts. Our minds are designed to categorize and label things. So just notice whatever is present. Begin to observe this person with beginner's mind, just as you never seen this person before. 
start to see them as a living, breathing, feeling being. Recognize that this person has friends, job, a passion. But this person loves people and has people who love them. Just bring awareness to this person's possible experience. Just like you, they have hopes and dreams, fears, sorrows and joys. Realize that you don't need to know this person, their whole life story, in order to see them. Realize that they are subject to pleasant and unpleasant life experiences. And I invite you to offer a single phrase of kindness, kind wish. I wish you to be happy today. I wish that others see you today for who you are. So, as I said, you can bring this practice to many people that you run into during the day. Just taking a few moments to reflect, recognize, offer them loving, kind wish. And breath, any movement the body might need right now. Coming back, coming back to the group. Yeah, and see each other. Thank you. Welcome, Terry. Thank you, Yelena. That was lovely as always. So my story today is about the one and only time I had ever been on a cruise ship. I had ended a long and serious relationship and I was feeling kind of down, licking my wounds. And a friend, Linda, a performer, said that she was going to go work on a cruise ship for a week and why didn't I come join her? And all I would need to pay for would be the flight to Miami. So I said, yes. So I flew to Miami. I met my friend at the ship dock and we boarded the ship. 
And she walked me to her room, which was down in the lower level in the bowels of the ship, down where all the machinery for the ship lives. The floors were all metal and big metal objects came down from the ceiling and walkways were meandering between metal enclosed machinery that was loud or louder, depending on what the ship was doing. Her room was small, had two tiny twin beds, but there was a bathroom with a shower, so that was good. We got our stuff situated and then we went up to a more beautiful deck to walk around and get acclimated. She introduced me to someone on the crew, a purser, I think, who said that there would be a time for me, along with a handful of others, to come and bring my passport to be added to the manifest. She said it would be at 4 p.m. and she pointed to the room where I would need to be, but she said I would hear the announcement. So the ship took to sea a little while later with big horns blowing. And Linda and I wandered around the ship. We grabbed a bite to eat and then found the room where she would be performing that evening. And the other performers and the, and the show crew were there setting up and they had a sound check at two o'clock. And at 3.30, I suggested we go back to our room so I could get my passport for that 4 p.m. meeting. And we went down to the room and noticed that when there were announcements, the speaker was really crackly and over the noise of the machinery, we couldn't hear it work. <laughs> so I went up to the room with my passport at four o'clock and there were about 20 people there, a variety of circumstances. A few had taken the place of another family member last minute. A few were guests of the crew like me. And one by one, we went up to the officer sitting at a small desk, showed our passport, explained how we came to be on the ship. And he wrote down our names and our addresses and the reason we were there. I saw Linda's show that night. It was great fun. It was all performing in impersonators. And I remember you know, some of the people I met at the sound check kind of looked like their role already. So it wasn't a big surprise, but they were terrific. But the woman playing Tina Turner was amazing. She did looked nothing like Tina Turner in real life, but she got the wig and the costume and her performance was spot on. She was, she was completely transformed. The next day we just relaxed on the ship at sea and Linda had a show. The next day, however, we had to change ships. Our ship was going to continue through the Bahamas, but at port, we got off and took our stuff and we were shuttled to a small airport. Some of the folks were taking a ferry boat and Linda and I were directed to take a small plane. The first ship was going to continue for a week-long cruise and we were going to another ship to pick it up as a return to Miami. At the small airport, there was a small plane that had eight or ten seats, I think, and very little room for luggage. A good thing we only had small duffel bags. The pilot directed each person where to sit as he eyed each one of us. He was clearly planning weight distribution so the plane would fly well. And he sat me in his co-pilot seat right next to him, which was a blast because the front of the plane was glass. And through the short 15 or 20 minute flight, I felt like I could almost reach out and touch the treetops we were flying over. We landed and were shuttled in a car to the port where the cruise ship was docked and taken out to the ship. Upon getting on the ship, we were told which room would be ours, and I began to show the crew member my passport. She said, no, I'd be called to show that at a different time. She didn't know exactly when, but there would be an announcement. We went down to the bowels of the ship once again and found a room almost exactly like the last one. And Linda had another performance in the evening and then told me that the crew had invited the two of us to join them for their Greek Easter dinner. It was Sunday. It was Orthodox Easter, and it was a Greek crew. It was really an honor. And dinner started at 10 p.m. in the crew's main dining room. Again, not a fancy place, no windows, a lot of metal surfaces, but a big, big table. And some of the staff served the dinner to us. When we arrived, 
when we arrived, we kind of looked around, not quite knowing where to sit. One of the crew members greeted Linda, she introduced me, and then he gestured to a couple of seats for us sitting across from one another. I walked around to the other side and sat where he had indicated. Others came and sat and the table filled. It was a familial kind of atmosphere where the 25 or 30 people were relaxing. They were leaning back in their chairs. As the, as the time went by, the ties came off, the top buttons came undone, and they were just relaxing and enjoying their Greek Easter dinner. The man sitting next to me to my right turned out to be the captain of the ship. We chatted throughout dinner. He was a soft-spoken, tall man. He had been a captain of a cruise ship for more than 10 years and had five children back home in Greece, although he was almost always away from home. I shared that I had toured with Broadway shows previously and was familiar with being away, although I didn't have children. Many people I toured with also had children at home, and it was always bittersweet. They loved the work that they were doing and missed seeing their family grow up day to day. He agreed, and he seemed to appreciate that I understood. Dinner was very relaxed and slow, and it went on until 1 a.m. And very tired, Linda and I both went down to our room and crashed, knowing we would be in Miami the next morning. When we got up, Linda called to find out what time we should disembark. And I heard her side of the conversation, which included, she's with me. No, we didn't. What did she do? Okay, we'll be right up then. What's up? Well, I missed that passport part. It had happened at 4 a.m. Fast asleep with a crackly speaker barely audible over the machinery of the ship, we never heard a thing. The guests were nearly finished getting off the ship and then it would be time for people like Linda and then the crew, me, I was unaccounted for. And this was a big problem that had to be solved. What? We had to go right upstairs and they would have to manage it with me. Can I at least take a quick shower? No, we have to get upstairs right away. So we did. Upstairs, a very stern looking woman saw Linda approach and eyed me. Linda told me to stay put and she went to talk to her. They talked for a moment and then Linda came back to me. She told me that I would be directed what to do and where to go as I disembarked. We stood there for a very short time and then the stern woman walked up to me. She asked to see my passport. She wrote down information on a tablet she held on a clipboard. And then the ramp to exit the ship was about 20 feet away. All the guests had left and only the staff and crew were left and me. She took me by the arm and she walked me over to the open doorway to the ramp. The ramp went down about 30 feet and then angled to the right for another 20 feet or so and then left down to the, to the landing. She told me to walk to that first angled point in the ramp and then turn around and face the ship. She said I was to stand there facing the ship until she directed me what to do next. Linda and I looked at each other. Linda looked scared, which made me feel scared. I did as I was told. I walked down the ramp and at the corner of the angle, I turned around and faced the ship. I saw Linda just behind the stern woman and up on the next level, I saw the crew all lined up looking at shore, looking down at me. I stood there for at least three minutes, seemed like 10, wondering what the heck was going on. I saw the stern woman pick up a phone from a wall next to the doorway and speak to someone finally. She hung up and then called out to me, you may continue down the ramp. And I did. I walked down the ramp all the way, all the way down and waited there for Linda. After about 10 minutes, Linda and the rest of the performers came down the ramp, all giggling, laughing, and hugging each other goodbye until next time. 
Linda came over to me and I asked her, what the hell just happened? She said, oh, well, because I had not shown up at 4 a.m. to be added to the manifest, I was officially, in maritime law, a stowaway on the ship. The only way that could be solved is if someone on the crew and not her, not my friend Linda, someone else not connected to me, could identify me and vouch for me. So when I was standing looking up at the ship, the entire crew was there to see if anyone could do that. We had had dinner the night before with the crew. The captain himself identified me and vouched for me, which made it possible for me to leave the ship and not be arrested. I couldn't help but think, what if, what if we hadn't had dinner with the crew? What if it hadn't been Greek Easter? What if I hadn't sat next to the captain? It felt like an extraordinary set of circumstances. I haven't been on a cruise since, but I suspect if I ever go again, I'm going to go as a legitimate guest so there are no problems. That's my story. So Liz, Yelena, you wanna talk about an inquiry for people before we go to the breakout rooms? Yelena, yeah, is it okay if I, if I pick up? You know, Terry, one of the things that we loved, I had heard that story as a story, you know, and we decided that this was kind of a moment to tell it very particularly. And as I was listening, as we all do, you know, those of you who have been on the calls, Terry does the same introduction all the time to talk about why we're here and what we're doing. And I was taken in, Terry, again, as you finish up and talk about, we're here, right, for empathy, compassion, connection. Mm. Right? And when we were talking about your story last night, there were two main points that came up for us. Number one was that you had made this beautiful connection with the captain, the crew in general, but the captain, right? This, this coming together and connecting in that kind of empathy really to what it feels like to be on the road, to what it feels like to be away from your family. And the other part was that that worst thing that could have happened if not for that connection didn't happen, right? I don't know what it would have been like if you'd had to go to jail while they, you know, in Miami while they straightened that all out. Um, but nothing fun ever happens when you head off to jail. And so as we were thinking about inviting people into the rooms for an inquiry, we thought about those two the, those two pieces and maybe invited you to think back in your own stories and think about a time when um, you felt really seen because you had made some kind of connection, you felt really seen and or that because you really got seen by something, someone, something that might've gone wrong, didn't go wrong because there was a person there who could either smooth your way or help you with something. And I thought of a moment in my own life, right, which we, we told. But, but we invite you to just think of a time when in your life, when you made a connection that allowed you to feel seen, either at a time when um, you needed to be seen or you didn't realize until later that the fact that you were seen by that person made some kind of connection that, that made your way in a situation. And, and Terry, as you always talk about, right? Um, I'm looking at the face of people going, hmm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of a story. But also, uh, Terry, as you always say, right? If you, if you don't have that story, as we send you out to groups, even just listening, I bet something comes up for you. So Terry, if you wanna, those are the things we invite you to think about, right? A time you really felt seen. And because you really were seen, 
something fortuitous or serendipitous happened because you felt seen by another person. Right. So for those of you who haven't joined us before, we're going to go into breakout rooms and our agreements are to speak from your heart, to listen with your heart and to say just enough so that others have a chance to share and to keep confidentiality. When we come back to the big room, we'll share what happened. But if there was a personal story that people don't want to tell the details, that's fine. Just speak to the theme of it and that would be great. So we're going to pause the recording and we'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks. It's good to see you. And who would like to share anything that bubbles up after spending time with each other? You can unmute yourself and speak. Anyone? I don't know, Yelena, you may have to tell your grandfather's story. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, I hope you guys had the richness of the story that uh, of the conversation we were having in the big room. It was so rich. I want to say we spent our time talking about what had happened with shootings. Oh. That's what we talked about. We did speak a little bit about Terry's wonderful subject, but um, I think my group, we were all into talking about what's going on. And I think Anna, she doesn't mind, talked about a group, what was it called? Um, TheViolenceProject.org. Mm. And that might, might be nice for her to share with everyone. Yeah, I was, I was in a training with them last Thursday and they have data on who the, um, the shooters are and work in schools and um, with all staff to help do um, inter interventions. And the bottom line is that the, the shooters with, that they found are not seen and, and do not feel like they have, yeah, Jana's nodding. And so the data has, has been gathered and they're coming up with very practical things that all schools can do and address principals who say, why is my shop teacher gotta be trained? And that's because maybe probably some of these boys who are the ones who have been committing the most, most of these horrendous crimes, maybe they would relate more to the shopkeeper or the custodians. So it takes, it takes a village and the data is in and there are practical things to do. Violenceproject.org. Thank, Thank you. Anna. Anna. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's somewhat related to what we talked about in our group about mm -hmm. the divisiveness in the country uh, surrounding the hearings on the January 6th event. Mm -hmm. and how it's driving even deeper wedges in our politics and yeah. poten potentially more violence. Mm. 
and the people heal when they uh, feel like they've been heard and how important that is to develop um, skills and, and strategies for listening to the people who are the most upset. Yeah. Thank you, David. Would anyone else like to share? You know what, I... I want to just kind of share kind of because we always do have the same discussion in our group. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I think there are many ways in the discussion we had, which was so rich and so powerful. And Yelena, if you choose to share, that would be amazing, but it's not disconnected, right? They're all about being seen. Mm -hmm. Am I seen? And I remember once based on Angie, what you and Anna said back at the time of Columbine, and the, I remember the principal saying without, without like judgment, um, we, we didn't notice anything different about these kids. We didn't notice this. I said, wait, they're wearing trench coats. They're doing this there. If you're not seeing them, what else are you not seeing? You know, like if you're not seeing them, what are you not seeing? Right. So I do think there's that common thread, right? Terry was afraid of what could happen if she wasn't seen in that moment. Right. And, and so I do think it is all interconnected. Right. And and when we look at what we do with peace lines, right? It's that it's at the both the very micro and the very macro level of, of what does it take to connect in empathy? What does it take? And what are the changes that can 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 follow? I like what you said, Anna, about we we've seen it. When people are seen and connected, the things that 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 can um, come from there. Yeah, I, I think it's also very much connected. And I like that the groups went from where they are, right? And what what's coming up for them, but that Terry's. The, the through line of Terry's story of, of that fear of not being seen in that moment um, and what happens when you are seen and how can we create a world, yeah, very much aligned with all the work that we all do of, of making sure people do feel seen and heard, yeah. I mean, David, you use language of being heard. For me, it's always about being seen, yeah. Thank you, know, you for we, that. We were also talking, I was in David's group, um, about the importance of deep listening and how we, one of the things that I'm aware of is that how much media is, is pointing at all of us and it's all about telling. Mm -hmm. we're, we're constantly being, being told we're not asked to question or give back. Um, and with Donald Trump, we were, we were also talking about him and the fact that I feel and that it's, he's desperate to be seen and heard so desperate that he's willing to do absurdly crazy things in the world in order to be experienced. There's something, the deep need in him that is really quite tragic. Um, and I don't know how he's ever gonna be satiated, but, but uh, it really, you know, murder is the most desperate form of I need love and I need to be heard. You know, just as you were saying about the shootings and all these tragic kids mm -hmm. that are doing these, horrible crimes um, out of a need to be heard and seen and, and appreciated at some level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and how do we, how do we incorporate that in our society? Because so much of our society is about emitting information rather than listening. How do we, how do we shift that even in our media and in 
what we hear every day on the radio and stuff. We're always being told we're never, nobody's ever listening mm -hmm. on the other side. Yeah, thanks, Judy. Mm -hmm. Would anyone else like to share? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that I'm really struggling with, um, you know, not being educated, um, primary and secondary education here in this country and then coming in um, for my um, higher education here, it's I'm seeing a striking difference between the depth of connection in those early years in education from um, what I'm seeing here. Um, you know, one of the things that is really that I observed and, you know, in my work in education, what is really difficult for young ones, and you just imagine yourself that every year in your primary and secondary education, you are with an entirely new group of friends mm -hmm. and you have a different boss every year. So who can really see you and how mm -hmm. and for what, you know, for what reason? Mm -hmm. One of the things that, you know, working as a school psychologist and um, in education, you know, we often see um, and get to know kids who are tr labeled troubled. Mm -hmm right? For whatever reason. So that's the seeing. Mm -hmm. And the, the depth of connection is often missing to what we are seeing. So the, the invitation of the meditation that I did at the beginning is to see everyone as just like me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that othering, I think it's where we really have um, struggled and are struggling. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Thank you, Yana. Well, this, uh, this, all these conversations that have been had in the rooms and the shares here have been beautiful. And I appreciate everyone here so much and sharing your thoughts with each other and sharing your thoughts here. Um, there's a lot of power in having these conversations. So I'm going to start to bring the call to a close. I'm putting some links in the chat. This, these podcasts are Peace on podcasts are brought to you by the Peace Alliance and the website is peacealliance.org. And our mission is to empower civic action for a culture of peace. Um, you can also go to the website and read about the Hope Story Circles and share that with your friends and your personal network to join us. There's also a link to the Blueprint for Peace, which is a major initiative that we have to let all of your elected officials know that you support policy related to the strategies of nonviolence and the peace building. 
and also about the Department of Peacebuilding legislation, which is our keynote legislation, HR 1111, to create a cabinet level Department of Peace. We are a small nonprofit. We appreciate donations of any kind, any size, especially our monthly donors that give us sustainable income. If you'd like to become a peace partner and become a monthly donor, we'd greatly appreciate that. And our calendar of events is there, which will let you know when all of our monthly calls are happening, our hope story circles and all of the other activities that we have going every month. And with that, Liz, would you like to bring us in? Yeah, I'm sitting here like so present in the moment. And I think my ending is going to be very different than I thought it was going to be. And so I'm just going to, to go with it. And, and this took me to a very deep place. And I'm going to tell a story that some of you who are here regularly may have heard. Um, I'm having a high school reunion weekend with some friends from high school, but tonight I'm staying, last night I stayed at the home of a woman who was my high school teacher. Um, such a deep connection. It was a school where we felt very much seen in her. But my, one of my closest teachers is my Spanish teacher. And I read a story, I love Spanish literature. And I read a story once written by Jorge Luis Borges. I was, I was a junior in high school and it was called Funes El Memorioso, right? Funes was the man's name who could remember everything. And he talked about the fact that when he was 19, he, he fell off a horse and hit his head. And from that moment, he lost the ability to generalize or extrapolate, right? When he looked at a tree, each tree looked so distinct to him that he couldn't call them all by the same tree. That seemed crazy to him. And when he saw each dog, he saw each dog so differently that he had to make up a name for each dog and each leaf on each tree and the leaves blowing this way and the wind and the leaves blowing that. And, and, you know, spoiler, at the end of the story, like he kind of drives himself mad. And I think the point was how important it is to learn to generalize and, and, and do those things. But I think I learned the exact opposite lesson. And I said to myself, what if we saw everything that clearly and saw each other? And when I became a teacher, I tried to think of that. And I really tried to see each child. And because of Facebook, I've been in touch with a lot of them. And um, and in the last week, two students said, you just posted a picture of boys when they were little. My boys are fighting. Do you have any parenting advice? You know, like these different messages. But there's one story that I was thinking about and a young woman who reached out to me to ask me a question. And she said, Mrs. Graydon, the year I had you, there were three Megans in the class and we all spelled our name differently. And you never misspelled any one of our names. There was an M-E-G-E-A-N, M-E-G-H-A-N, and an M-E-A-G-H-A-N. She said, you were the only teacher who never misspelled our names once. And I'm just thinking about that when you're talking about that, right? And, and, and what I'm pondering is what made the difference is the relationships, was the being seen, and that taking the time to really see one another. And it has led to this kind of beautiful part of my life where they really reach out. And I had one student say to me in the last couple of months who reached out to me and said, um, and I taught in Catholic schools. And he said, I was a young gay boy and yours was the only class where I didn't feel afraid. I don't know what I said that made him not feel afraid. But I'm, I'm just thinking about when we talk about cultivating, right? One of the things we cultivate is that personal peace, that personal practice of peace. And that story, Terry, you talked about was all talking about being seen, right? How you saw the woman who played uh, Tina Turner and you saw her before and you saw after and you didn't see the captain in his role. You saw him as this man who missed his family. And, and even that fact that you talked about when we talked about in the group, 
where at one point the woman with this, you saw the woman as the woman with the stern woman with the clipboard and she saw you as the stowaway, right? And that, that notion of everything that shifts when we really feel seen. And so I, I don't, yeah, I don't have a particular, I think I'm gonna ask us, right? To send off with, with just what Yelena did to invite us as we walk through our lives to, to go out and just try to see people. Mm-hmm. right just go out and try to see one another and terry used a word and i know i'm running just one sec when we were talking we we're talking about those moments when you shift or something happens or you follow an instinct or talk to this person and terry used a term i had never heard i don't know if you guys heard and she said those are, we call them quantum flirts right what made you turn this corner or not that corner right it's it's the universe trying to direct you like i use the word nudge you right into that place and I thought maybe be aware of those little quantum flirts that are trying to lead you to talk to this person, connect with this person, say, are you okay? And notice one another. And, and, um, and when we come back in a couple of weeks, I look forward to those of us who've been here to, to bring that richness in, and how do things shift when we really take the time to stop and see one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. This is Thank you. Terry, thank you as always for your story, right? It's such a simple story. But it, went story. All these, it went to all these directions, very profound yeah. about what happens when we're not yeah. seen, which I think was so powerful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Feel free to come off mute and say goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Have a great, great week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today at A Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.